once you figured out your path and you found work that is really engaging and passionate and that you will be able to do for the next 40 years and it'll keep you happy. Once you've found that, you need to be really cautious about ensuring that you are properly compensated and that you have uh, good insurance and that you have good benefits because it's really easy to be exploited in this new way that we work. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. All right, my friends, we get a lot of mixed messages when it comes to our careers. We're told, first of all, to follow our passion. Then we get our jobs, we get involved with companies that we're really passionate about. But you know what happens? They exploit that passion a lot of the time. They get us to work for less pay than we should, telling us, well, we're all in this together. We are your family. We're doing this for a good cause. We are changing this for the world. You know what they say. And then on the other side, we're also hearing a lot of rah-rah, get paid what you're worth. Money is the only way to get thanked for doing your work. Don't accept less than you are worth. And for example, in a networking group that I belong to, common advice when negotiating is to ask for a number that is so high, it makes you uncomfortable. You would almost worry about being laughed at. But you know what happens a lot of the time? People report they get the money and they wonder, oh my gosh, how much money did I leave on the table now and in the past? So which one is it? Are we working for our passion, no matter what the pay? Are we working for our money, no matter if it's just a job that we care nothing about? Can we have both? Well, I have to admit, I've been skeptical. I also have to admit that I was really excited to interview Elizabeth Seagrand after reading her awesome new book, The Rocket Years, How Your 20s Launch the Rest of Your Life. What I had not expected was that Elizabeth answered that question. But as you will hear, she is able to see things in a way that actually brought those two ideas together. I didn't think that there was common ground, but she does explain a way to think about it, a mindset basically, where you can combine doing something you're passionate about and make sure you get paid. Not quite that simple. You got to listen to the interview, but I really like what she had to say about Elizabeth. She is a senior staff writer at Fast Company Magazine on the Fashion Beat. She also has a PhD in women's studies from UC Berkeley, very smart lady. And by the way, she is a wife and mother who has mastered the art of having a virtual TV studio in her home. She makes lots of appearances on big shows like Good Morning America, you will be hearing a lot from this woman. Enjoy this interview. Here is Elizabeth Seagran. Elizabeth Seagran, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Big congratulations. You have been all over the place with your new best-selling book, The Rocket Years, How Your 20s Launch the Rest of Your Life. Most recently, by the way, you were on Good Morning America. You're becoming a household name. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And I think you've really hit on such an important topic for so many of us because when we look back, and I am past my 20s, as are you, we realize what we didn't realize often at the time, how much happens in our 20s that really informs the rest of our life? 
Absolutely. The reason that I wrote this book is because I woke up one day in my mid thirties and thought, wow, I've created this life. And how did I do that? (laughs) So I went back into my twenties and I looked at all of the key moments and turning points and did a lot of research and explored these big decisions and everything that I explored and, and all of the research I did has been packaged into this nice book that I'm now giving to the world. And the book has lots of chapters that go into different areas of our lives from hobbies, fitness, marriage, politics, faith. But I've asked you to expand on something that is near and dear to so many of us right now as we're kind of going through the pandemic and rethinking so many things that we take for granted, and that is careers. And you have an interesting personal story because you actually have a PhD that you really spent a lot of your 20s working on, not making any real money you did have, as you say, you had your education paid for and you got a stipend, but you kind of make a case for making no money in your 20s. Tell us your money story. Absolutely. So when I was 25, I took myself to a small village in India called Pondicherry as part of my research. I spent six weeks the whole summer walking through this tiny town, learning the language, floating on little boats in the water, exploring the food. And all of this was part of the research that I was doing. And it was one of the most remarkable experiences of my life. But what I'll tell you is that I had very little money in my bank account. And I was spending my 20s gathering all of these experiences, trying to figure out you know, what I really wanted from life. And throughout that process, I wasn't making any money. And how did you feel about it at the time versus how you feel about it now? So people often ask me, was it valuable for you to go do a PhD, especially since, you know, as I explain in my book, I entered the job market in the middle of the Great Recession. There were no jobs in my field. And so I had to rethink what I wanted to do. And I eventually became a fashion journalist for a business magazine called Fast Company. And I also, you know, I'm now a writer of books and people are like, you know, what were you doing? Did you feel like it was a waste of time? And my answer is always absolutely not. For those of us who are in our twenties and thirties, so millennials and Gen Z, it is far more important for us to find work that aligns with our values, passions, and identity than to think purely about compensation. And that sets us apart from our parents' generation who were primarily interested in work that would pay the bills and that would give us some sort of social status in life. You know, for those of us who are in our 20s and 30s, we know that we're going to be working for 40, 50 years. And we know that that work is going to take so much from us. And so it is so important for us to spend our 20s figuring out what that path is. And for me, that was being in this tiny village in India. You know, I didn't make a lot of money in those years, but I did get a very clear sense of what I value and what I want to be doing with my life. It took being away from, you know, the United States, being in this country, you know, spending a lot of time reading and doing all this research about India and my culture and all of these different things that gave me a sense of what I really want to do in life. And so I would not trade that for the world. I want to know your opinion then on this pushback we're getting during the coronavirus pandemic. So many colleges are conducting classes virtually 
And it's not the same experience for all the obvious reasons. But then there's this idea of, well, what are we really paying for with an education? And the value of that four-year traditional bachelor degree, and we can extrapolate that to go all the way forward to a PhD, when there's now a case being made for people just learning a trade, is there still value in this whole idea of this extended period of higher education? What do you think about that whole idea that's being discussed now? I'm really sad to hear that, you know, many colleges are not just thinking about transitioning to remote learning during this period, but potentially make that part of their coursework going forward. And I'm really sad as well that the higher education is on the brink of collapse and many people are not going to be able to get PhDs and, and other degrees going forward because there's lots of things that you can learn on the job. You know, for me, I left with my PhD and then I became a journalist. I learned so much while I was practicing the work that I'm doing. And, and I think that that's true of many jobs. You learn on the job. But what you can't replace in higher education, that broadening of the mind, you know, reading a lot, um, spending time with other people, asking really difficult questions about what life is about, all of that. I mean, it seems so frivolous, especially at a time when the economy is on the brink of collapse. But that is what we need in order to figure out, you know, what we want to be as individuals and as a society. You know, it's in those conversations that we figure out what we want the world to be like. If we're closing off the spaces where we can have those conversations, those in-person discussions, the ability to travel to different locations and study abroad and, and explore other cultures, all of this stuff, if this goes away... I think that we're going to lose something very important. I think that's such an important thing to add to this bigger conversation that we're having as a society. Going back to your personal story, what is the lesson for our listeners from your story? So here's the main thing that I would like to communicate. I think that we are really lucky because we are among the first generations in the history of mankind who can find work that is an extension of our identity and ourselves. There's been this ideal of finding your dream job throughout history, but for most of time, people didn't have the ability to actually do that kind of work, right? Like for most of history, you had to be a farmer because that was the only work available to you, or you had to learn a trade among a very small number of options that was out there. And even for our parents' generation, you know, this notion was, was crystallizing, but the data shows that most people were still mostly interested in finding work that paid the bills. That is not true for us. We have the opportunity to find work and pursue work that aligns with who we are. And that is a huge gift. So I think our 20s should really be spent trying to figure out what that work is for us and being patient with ourselves and going on these winding journeys to find it. Now, the data shows that 50% of people will eventually find work that is not just merely satisfying to them, but that exceeds their expectations. So this is amazing news. Most of us will eventually find work that really makes us happy and really aligns with our identity. Now, the flip side to that is that it is really easy for employers to exploit workers who are working primarily out of a sense of purpose and out of a sense of passion rather than trying to find good compensation, right? If we as workers are pursuing our work because we're passionate about it, it's really easy for an employer to say, well, 
that is compensation in itself. We're not going to pay you that much. Or you're enjoying being part of the culture at this company. As a result, we're going to not compensate you enough. That is the downside to this new philosophy of work. And so the advice that I would give to people is once you figured out your path and you found work that is really engaging and passionate and that you will be able to do for the next 40 years and it'll keep you happy. Once you've found that, you need to be really cautious about ensuring that you are properly compensated and that you have a good insurance and that you have good benefits because it's really easy to be exploited in this new way that we work. Very well said. And that's also great financial grown-up advice that when you get a real grown-up job with real responsibilities and you're expected to be showing up on time, doing all the work, it's important to get paid appropriately. And that brings us to your everyday money tip, which is very appropriate because a lot of people are looking for jobs in this environment. And hopefully it's only in the short term that these jobs will be virtual. And so your money tip has to do with what to look for and not get fooled when you are looking at a job offer. So when you are considering taking a job, I would really caution you not to get distracted by shiny things that an employer puts in front of you like, oh, we have unlimited cold brew coffee on tap, or you know, we have an amazing foosball table that our employees use, or we have nap pods. I think it's really easy to get sold that this is a company that really wants to create a, an amazing culture and make you feel at home and all of that. Because what you really need to be focused on is what is the salary that they're paying you? Is it on par with the market? Are you going to negotiate to make sure that you're getting paid appropriately? What is the benefits package like? I think it's really easy for brands to try and convince you that the work that you're so passionate about and the culture of the workplace that you're looking at is more important than your salary. And so you just need to not take the bait. Very well said. I mean, I think that so many people get told that where they work is their family and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is we're both older and we've had different jobs. When you leave a job, you may keep in touch with a couple of true friends that you've made there. But for the most part, you learn they're not your family. They're your coworkers. And that's great. And you should have a great relationship with your coworkers. But at the end of the day, the way the companies say thank you is really by paying you, right? Absolutely. So in my case, once I figured out that I wanted to be a writer, you know, it took me a long time to figure that out. I was in my early 30s when I made this career switch. You know, once an employer wanted to bring me on as a full-time staff worker, I was really very firm in my negotiations about my salary and my benefits. And that has helped me, you know, over the past seven years that I've been a journalist, having being fairly compensated for this work has made my life so much better. I feel so good about the work that I'm doing because I'm both passionate about it and I don't feel exploited. And so I think that that's a key learning for me. Very important and very important, certainly in any media related profession. Speaking of media, your book is awesome, getting so much press. So I know people are already hearing about it, but tell us more about the book and where people can find out more about you. Well, thank you so much. Yes, it's a book about the big decisions that we make in our 20s and how they play out throughout the rest of our lives. And I would just like to say that it's actually a very encouraging and uplifting book, particularly in a time like this. I have so much 
hope for the generation that is coming of age during the Great Recession. I think you have an incredibly bright future. And you can pick up the book anywhere books are sold. I would encourage you to pick it up at your local independent bookstore, but it's also available on Amazon. Thank you so much. And what are your socials so people can follow you there? So follow me at Liz Segrin on Instagram, on Twitter, on all the socials. I'm there for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right, my friends, here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one. Elizabeth is adamant that we not allow ourselves to get exploited, and she is so right. But she also makes sure that we know that you have to be deliberate in the industry that you choose to join because we can only control what we can control, which is our own choices for the most part. We can't change an entire industry's pay scale or the number of jobs that there are in the industry. I mean, she learned that pretty quickly about the academic world. So you can read more about this in her book, but she goes into her decision to leave academia where only a small fraction of PhDs, and yes, she spent years getting one, actually work there making a grown-up salary. So rather than just keep fighting what is a harsh reality, but is reality, she went into a field that she also loved and where she was able to negotiate the right compensation for the work. And so she is doing something she's passionate about and she is getting paid. Financial grown-up tip number two, cut your losses. Whether it's a PhD, a law degree, or whatever, if you spent money for an expensive education, the money is gone regardless. The time is gone regardless. When we were talking before the interview, I asked Elizabeth how she felt about spending so much time and money on a degree that she wasn't really using. I mean, PhDs, honestly, I'm intimidated by the whole idea. It is a lot of time. It is a big chunk of your life. But she still feels it was super valuable and that education has a lot of value in and of itself. Yes, it is ridiculously too expensive right now, but That kind of education is not the same as a quick online course that teaches you job-specific skills. Now, I want to be clear, those quick online courses are also really valuable, just not the same. Take your advice, take the time, and maybe just like read a book to educate yourself. It doesn't have to be a degree, but education for education's sake, just learning to think, learning to communicate, learning who you are by taking the time to kind of explore different topics is always going to be valuable and different in addition to skill-specific learning. I would love to hear your advice from when you were in your 20s or your advice for your peers if you are still in your 20s. DM me on Instagram at bobbyrebel one or on Twitter at bobbyrebel. And a reminder, this podcast is free. I love doing it, but we work really hard on it. By the way, I don't do this alone. I have an incredible team. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ashley. Everyone else. The only thank you that we ask is that you share it with friends and help us help more people. So please spread the word, share on social media, share a link from wherever you listen to this podcast. It's super easy. And maybe even if you have the time, leave a review. Big thanks to the Rocket Years author, Elizabeth Seagran, for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.